the lyrics from the song at the beginning state the following. Well, how much do you think you are worth, boy? Will anyone stand up and say? Would you say that a man is worth nothing until someone is willing to pay? How much are you worth? Can we put a value on it? Is it our assets, our bank accounts, our possessions? Is it how much we've contributed to society? Could it be how much we're liked or how many friends we have on Facebook? Is it our performance at work or our success in relationships? We live in a world where a person's value is not very great and open to interpretation. It's based on fashion. One day we're at the top of our game. We're indispensable to the company we work for. And the next day we're out on the street. One minute we're valued at being a stay-at-home mum and the next day we're valued only if we're so much more. And once we are valued if you were strong and could work in the fields and the next you're valued for your intellectual ability. One day someone is valued for their age and another for their youth. And sometimes our life fits in the model and sometimes it's totally wrong. Our value is subjective. Is a mother of five worth more than maybe a childless widow? Or a university graduate worth more than the school dropout? The song continues, Is a rich man worth more than a poor man? A stranger worth less than a friend? Is a baby worth more than an old man? You're beginning worth more than your end. Your beginning worth more than your end. The end we've been singing about tonight was definitely not worth less than the beginning. Jesus was really clear that the end of his life was the very reason for the beginning. There are two examples from the Gospels. There are many. The first one is John's Gospel. Jesus is talking about his death and he writes, Now I'm deeply troubled. I don't know what to say. But I must not ask my father to keep me from this time of suffering. In fact, I came into the world to suffer. And in Matthew's Gospel, he records Jesus saying, the Son of Man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue many people. And like an episode maybe of 24, James Bond, Jesus comes into the world to save and to rescue. But unlike Jack Bauer or James Bond, he doesn't come stealth with guns blazing. But instead he comes humbly, an ordinary man who suffers and dies. He achieves what looks like to many as failure. Gandhi said of Jesus that he was a great man, taught many good things just like himself, but died tragically at the end. 
and apparently in the Millennium Dome, in the faith faith section, it said something very similar. Yet Jesus' words before and from the cross are very different to this indeed. Tetelestai, Jesus cried from the cross, It is finished! It's not, I am finished. And it's not even, it's finished, I failed, or I'm finishing this, or negative, like I'm finishing with you. Jesus' cry is loud. It's a triumphal cry of, it is finished, it is done. I have done what I came to do. In John's Gospel, he states earlier, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. But his cry is more than just finishing work. It means fulfilled. John uses the same word a few sentences before when he talks about fulfilling scripture. Everything that had been written about Jesus, about his birth, when he would come, who would be born to, it's been fulfilled. In the 13th century, in this country, there started a saying called paid on the nail. You might have heard of it. And it referred to flat, table-like objects that would be located around places of exchange. And the idea was that the people would put their money on the table in full view of everyone. And that you could see that it was fully paid, that everything was done. And that's the title of our whole service this evening, Paid on the Nail. And it seems a fitting phrase, tetelestai, it is finished, or it has been paid on the nail. This was a common phrase, tetelestai, in Jews and Romans, because at the time this word would be written as someone paid off a debt, when it was finally paid. So the victory cry that Jesus uttered from the cross could have heard just as easily by people as paid in full. But what was paid? From the beginning of the Bible, we see that God creates people. He creates them to be in relationship with him, to walk with him, to love him, to get all the benefits from being with him. But these first people reject him. And they choose their own way. They choose to walk away from him. And symbolically we see their removal from the garden of evil, Eden. And their removal from God's presence. And from this point on, forgiveness and payment for sins, what it costs to bring them back. Because they threw it away. They so regretted it. Was only through the shedding of blood. Year after year, the shedding of animal blood after animal blood to bring them back to God. But truthfully, these sacrifices were never enough. The book of the Hebrews, the writers tells us that these didn't remove sins, but rather they were an annual reminder of the need for something greater. They were a pointer to someone, not a something, that would really pay this debt. And in a world where debts are soaring at the moment, 
people know what it's like to stand in a place of being helpless under a mountain of debts. I remember when I graduated and I needed a car and I bought it. And afterwards, I was faced with an immense debt. Month after month, payments to be made on this car. And it felt like a millstone around my neck, crippling, no way out. And many of us have experienced this. When we're so far in, we're utterly trapped. We're held captive until it is paid in full. But what if someone was to offer to pay your debts? What if someone rich came and said, I'll take care of that for you? We might think, great, I won't get into debt again. I'm free now. I've learned my lesson. I'm not a bad person. I just made a few wrong decisions. But what about if the next week you heard this same man had paid off someone else's debts? A woman who'd been brought to the UK, sold into slavery and would never be able to pay her way out. Surely that's a good use of his money too. But what if the next week we heard of a woman who'd ran up thousands of debts gambling? Should he pay her debts? And what if the man who is in debt to another gang member? They just had a party. And what about the man who's losing his home due to getting the sack, who goes home at night and beats his wife and his children and he blames them? Should he have his debts paid off? As Jesus went to the cross, he was beaten over the head repeatedly. He was spat at, punched, mocked, whipped. All who saw him and questioned him mocked him. He was utterly worthless in their eyes a troublemaker, a fool. He was so utterly abused and broken beyond the normal that despite his age and his physical fitness, he'd walked hundreds of miles. He was unable to carry his cross. Then he had nails driven into his hands, six to ten inches long, excruciatingly painful as the cross jarred into place. He hung naked in the baking sun. People mocked. They stopped to watch the public show of the man who claimed to be God. The man who'd healed so many, rose from the dead, apparently unable to save himself. We're told that he did this for us. Jesus died, an atoning sacrifice. He shed blood for us in our place for our sins to bring us back into that loving, giving, beautiful relationship with God. And this is what he cost, it cost him to pay our debt. And this is what Jesus thinks you are worth. And Christ died not just for the person who thinks that they're not that bad, but he paid for all. He pays the debts of those who think they live a fairly good life and for those who know they don't. And he demonstrated this on the cross. He took the cross in the place of Barabbas, a murderer. As he hung on the cross with those who'd put him there, who jeered at him, who spat on him, he prayed for their forgiveness. And as he was about to die, 
He offered the man he'd stolen, and no doubt, much more. He offered him paradise. The thief said simply to the other thief, we got what was coming to us, but he didn't do anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into power. And Jesus replied, I promise you, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief admitted that he had done wrong and that he should rightly hang there. And he asked Jesus to help him. We know that coming to Jesus is as simple as that, to admit that we've done wrong to other humans, actions and thoughts, and to ask him to help. Come and be Lord of my life. Help me change. No payment is needed. The price has been paid. It is 